Where do you turn in times of trouble? A family member, a friend, a pastor or counselor? Well, these are all good options, but today on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee, we're going to hear about where our real security comes from. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as we prepare to set off for our adventure in Psalms 46 to 48, Greg and I have got a quick update on our world prayer team. Yes, Steve, this week our world prayer team is traveling on our knees through South Asia, and today we're in the country of Pakistan, and uh, this is a very interesting statistic. It, yeah, I didn't know this one. I didn't either. Pakistan is the second largest Islamic nation. Now, yes. I did know the first. Yes. That's Indonesia, That's which correct. is a surprise to a lot of people because yes, everybody is. thinks, oh, it's in the Middle East. It's yep. Saudi Arabia, something like that. No, it's Indonesia with number two being Pakistan. Yes. And it's a place that some call the center of the unevangelized world. It's right there in that 1040 window that missionaries often talk about, the hardest to reach in the whole world. Uh, but it's also one of our favorite places to visit on the World Prayer Team because the stories are amazing, showing that God can work through his word and yep. his people, even in the toughest situations. Yeah. Let's let's get to the letter. Here's uh, here, the first letter, I should say. Here's Nazir from Pakistan. First of all, I apologize for the delay in replying to you. It was very much helpful to read your email that gave me a lot of encouragement that I came to learn so many new things about Christianity. I learned a lot of things from what you gave me. These are very helpful resources to get to know more in depth about God. I came to experience God's love in my life. Since I came to know about God and his salvation plan, I realize that I am a sinner and I believed in Jesus as my personal Savior. I am feeling very great pleasure that I am changed by him now. God is helping me to learn more things. I need prayers for my spiritual growth in this new faith. I also need prayers for my wife that she may also learn about this. I need to be confidential myself since people would not accept me if I exposed to others as being Christian. I would love to hear from you and have your prayers for me. Wow, so many uh, aspects of this letter that are that are so significant. Uh, one of the ones I want to point out is that you notice he talks about an email that he received, yeah, yeah. and and this is something we often focus on the the way we fling the seed through broadcast technology or digital platforms, but we have teams of people all over the world that are engaging with those that respond to that broadcast technology. Yeah. I also think he he downplays where he says I need uh I need to be confidential myself since people would not accept me. Yes. I mean in the Muslim world to convert away from Islam to yeah. Christianity to to be not accepted is a, is a mild understatement. Oftentimes yes. if you're if you're younger, you're thrown out of your home, if you work, you yeah. lose your job and sometimes you can even lose your life. It yeah. is a huge step to, to to step back and raise your hand and say, I'm a Christian. And a lot of times they don't raise their hand. They just keep quiet and they grow in their faith. Absolutely. And that's why we're so passionate about being there for them. Now, here's, yeah. uh, we have time for another brother in Pakistan who explained how he became a believer in Jesus Christ. I was in the army, he writes. I learned a lot there, such as how to protect people and my country, how to serve others and be truthful in your work. When I finally resigned from the army and returned home, I eventually opened a mobile repair shop. There, I ran into someone who would come to my shop daily. We gradually became friends. I would meet him on a daily basis, and he would share the word of God with me. Wow. He also gave me a radio device, and I listened to the programs every day after work. One day, I decided to visit his house to talk about Jesus Christ. 
When I arrived, I found them praying, and I joined in. Hmm. Following devotion, I greeted everyone and spent time with that family. I was overjoyed and asked him to pray for me. I gradually understood the word of God for myself. My friend informed me that we cannot enter God's kingdom until we are born again. So, after a few days, I also received baptism. It was God's plan for me to shift from the army to be his child. Praise the Lord. Man, wow. there's so much to say. We don't have time. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this for this brother coming to faith in Pakistan. We pray that you would continue to use the power of the media that, that through the Bible is in, and more importantly, the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit in these people's lives to call them to yourself. Pray that you'd bless the program as it goes out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Dr. J. Vernon McGee will lead us in our study of Psalms 46 to 48 on Through the Bible. Now, friends, we come here in the 46th Psalm, beginning with it, I should say, with a little cluster of three psalms, and they are all a prophetic picture of the kingdom that's coming on this earth. Remember Psalm 45, a great millennial psalm, speaks of the coming of the king to establish his kingdom here upon this earth, the millennial kingdom. So now these three psalms set before us this kingdom. And this is the reason that today more attention should be given to the psalms that we get a proper understanding of them. Now, this 46th psalm here is a wonderful psalm. It's one that God's people have turned to, and rightly so. It's called, by the way, if you will notice the heading of it, to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. And this song upon Alamoth, the word Alma is used in Isaiah 7:14, where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, evidently, Alamoth means virgins or maidens' voices. And it would refer us, I think, actually back to another great song of deliverance and of victory that was sung back when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And we're told that they sang the song of Moses. But who led the singing? I don't think Moses was a much better song leader than I am, and I'm no good at all. But the one who led the singing was his sister. And here we read in verse 20, of Exodus 15. Now, that wonderful song, and I can't go back and look at it, but when they crossed the Red Sea, they sang this song. Who led it? Verse 20 now of Exodus 15. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord. For he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. So that the song leader on that occasion and the soloist was Miriam, the sister of Moses. Now we have here another great redemption. And the redemption at the Red Sea was not the redemption by blood. That took place when they came out of Egypt. They were redeemed the night that the death angel passed over when the blood of the Lamb was put on the doorposts. 
and they were redeemed then by power. But when they crossed the Red Sea, it was redemption by power. And the enemies that had troubled them, they were destroyed. And here you have some think it's really a soprano solo. It really hits a high note. Let me read now, beginning with verse 1 of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, we need always to put this psalm in here where it belongs, after the 45th. And it goes along with this little cluster, 46, 47, and 48. I don't think we have any more right to take this psalm out and look at it separately without looking at it in the setting in which it is, any more than that little boy that misquoted Scripture. And he was asked to give a definition of a lie. What is a lie? And the little fellow put together two Scriptures that were totally unrelated, but he got them together. He says, a lie is an abomination under the Lord, but a very present help in time of trouble. You can see... He misinterpreted Scripture. We smile at him, but what about the folk that lift this psalm out, the old psalm? I think they're more guilty of misinterpreting Scripture, by the way. And so we have here a wonderful solo. It's not the blues. It's the Hallelujah Chorus. And it's not rock music, but those that were on the rock. And you have, I think, in the first three verses, the sufficiency of God. And this is a very wonderful section that we have here, by the way. And I think that I should read several verses. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Now, Here is a very wonderful statement. And somebody says, well, how do you know whether it's true or not? I say the Bible said it. Somebody will come along and say, well, it's a theory, and you don't know whether this is true or not. Well, my friend, I've tried it. And we're told here that the Lord is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And we are told taste of the Lord and see if he's good. The Lord Jesus said, if any man will do his will, he'll know of the doctrine, whether it be of God. Now, you can count on God in time of trouble and find he's there. Christians do not learn today to trust God in time of trouble. And the reason is they do not know about the sufficiency of God. They've never found him sufficient. We need a God that doesn't fail us circumstances under which God is sufficient, though the earth be removed. And that's a most inopportune and extreme circumstance. Has the earth ever been taken out from and under you? Have you ever been suspended in space? Most people think they're the only ones who ever had trouble. But God's people find God sufficient in time of trouble. And that's what he's saying here. This psalm was Luther's favorite. He probably wrote the great Reformation hymn, the hymn, Ein Feste Bergist Unser Gut. That's very poor German, by the way, but it means a mighty fortress is our God. 
He had this in mind. Here, God is our refuge and strength, our present help in time of trouble. And man down through the centuries has found out that that is true. Now, again, we come to something quite wonderful. In verse 4 through 7, we have the security of God. Will you notice this? There is a river, the stream whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Now, some say this is poetry. It's a song, that it's figurative. It's a symbol. The river's a reality. And I believe that we have here a river that speaks of the supply and refreshment that God gives today. And that river is God's Word here. And you have a river mentioned in the Word of God in a very definite way over in Ezekiel a river that flows out from the throne of God, and that there's great blessing. This river's as real as the Mississippi River or any other river. And we are told that the blessed man, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And yonder in the New Jerusalem, we see that he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. And the Lord Jesus said to that woman at the well, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith out of his inmost being, will flow living waters. What a wonderful statement we have here. And God is in the midst of her. What a picture we have in that. And I keep on reading now. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early... And the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And Selah, stop looking, listen again. This is very important for us to consider here. Now the judgment floods have spent their force. They're gone. And now flows forth this stream of living water, a stream that Ezekiel saw. And Zechariah speaks of it. And we find that it's in the book of Revelation. And here is this wonderful, glorious river that supplies the needs of God's saints. And they're all planted right by it. Now, we come to this final division, verses 8 through 11. We have the supremacy of God. And here he appeals to what would be, in one sense, the lowest level that God appeals to man on, and that is, of course, creation. Now, there's a reason for that here. We are told, Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariot in fire. And this is a very wonderful passage of Scripture for very candidly, it sets before us here in a very definite way the last days when the one who is the stone cut out without hands that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision, and it has dealt an annihilating blow upon this earth. And we are told that after the war of Armageddon is over, that the dead will be strewn, the wreckage of warfare will be there, And that's the picture that's given to us here. And what a picture it is. And the works of God today. 
or to tell man that there is a God. And now there's peace on earth. And it's now a blessed reality. The king has come and he's put down all unrighteousness that's on the earth. Now will you notice the last two verses? Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Now, he says, I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. That's God's purpose. And now he says, be still and know that I'm God. We can be calm in time of the storm. By the way, the storms are blowing outside today. You and I are living in a wicked world. It's a mean old world, friends, that you and I are in today. And tremendous things are taking place in their great convulsions of nature today. Now he says, be calm in time of the storm. Be still and know that I'm God. Christ, you remember, was in the storm with the disciples, and he was asleep. He had more trouble calming the apostles than he did calming the storm. And he has a lot of trouble with many of us today because we don't know what it is to wait patiently before him. Well, he's going to be exalted today, and he's called here the God of Jacob, friends, and this fits in to this place. Here is a psalm that'll be a great blessing in the future. It's going to be a time of great blessing, but it's a comfort and a blessing for God's people today. Now we come in Psalm 47 that's before us, and this is a millennial psalm, and again, it continues the praise and the worship Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awe-inspiring. He is a great king over the earth. You see, he's reigning now on the earth. And in this psalm, we find the praise and worship of the millennial kingdom. And the king now is on the earth, and he's reigning. What a picture that we have here. And what we have here, he is king over all the earth. And as such, he's praised and worshiped. You see, he's going to have to put down all of this rebellion, all of this self-conceit and arrogance of man, and all of the lawlessness. And I'm talking now about lawlessness that's against God today. He'll put it all down, and he will reign on this earth. What a picture that we have here. It's a glorious, wonderful picture, by the way. And we are told here, He will reign and subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. This is the picture that is before us. And He's called here, He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom He loved, Selah. Now that hymn, Joy to the World, you see, is not really a hymn that speaks of the birth of Christ. It speaks of his second coming. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, and there's going to be joy on the earth in that day. Clap your hands, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. What a wonderful thing it is. I was preaching not long ago in a church where they clapped their hands, and they were rather vociferous, and someone said to me afterward that was there, said, didn't that disturb you? I said, no, that helped me a great deal because they were right with me. I think that today we have 
what we call reverence today is really deadness. They've got a lot of reverence in a cemetery. Nobody's disturbing anybody or anything. And I think we need a little life today, maybe in our services. Now, will you notice when you come here to the fifth verse, and I'm going to read now another translation here, and you follow your own. God has gone up amid shouting. Jehovah, amid the sound of the trumpet, sing psalms unto God. Sing psalms under our King. Sing psalms, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing psalms for instruction. God reigneth over the nations. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The willing-hearted of the people have gathered together with the people of the God of Abraham. For unto God belong the shields of the earth. He's greatly exalted. Now, Jehovah is on high, and he's the most high. He ascended amid shouting. And that means that if he ascended, that means that he made a previous descent. And I think that he came to this earth 1,900 years ago, born yonder in Bethlehem, but he went back in an ascension. I think you have that in Psalm 24. But here, what we have is another ascension. I think he'll come to this earth, establish his kingdom, and be going back and forth to the new Jerusalem. I think that between the new Jerusalem and this earth, there's going to be a freeway that's going to be busier than the freeways in Southern California with this difference. There won't be any traffic tie-up. You'll be able to move back and forth. That's going to be one of the wonderful things, and I think that's what we have here. He will descend and ascend at stated times during the millennium and display, I think, his visible glory here upon this earth. This is a glorious, wonderful psalm, and we're told to sing praises to him. He's the God of Abraham. Now, there's a nation down here on this earth in the millennium and on through eternity. Now, when we come to the 48th Psalm, we have another psalm that belongs to this series. And it's a millennial psalm, and it celebrates Messiah's complete victory. Let me read again from this other translation. Great is Jehovah, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is the Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God in her palaces hath made himself known as a high tower. And I take it that when it says Mount Zion, it means Mount Zion. And when it talks about the city of God and the holy mountain, we're talking about Jerusalem. And we find here a mention of the sides of the north. That's quite an interesting expression. It evidently speaks of a way of ascent and descent to this earth. And we are told that Satan, that's in the 14th of Isaiah, that Satan, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. That's the route, apparently. And Satan hoped actually to overthrow God, by the way. And here you have a conflict that reveals the last great battle that'll take place on this earth here. For lo, the kings were gathered together. They passed by together. They saw it and were amazed. 
They were terror-stricken. They started to flee. I believe that this is actually after the millennium and when the devil is released for a season and Christ goes forth to drive him forever off of this universe. Now we have a great hallelujah chorus at the end. As we have heard, so have we seen in the city of Jehovah of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. This is a wonderful section. You read it for your own instruction. Now they had heard and read all about this in their prophets. And now, as they had heard, they're seeing the literal accomplishment of it all. That is the promised deliverance that God had down through the centuries been promising to them, and now it's realized. This is a glorious, wonderful psalm. It does have a meaning for us today. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. When it comes to death, is there a difference between the poor and the rich? Well, that's what we explore in our next study, as the Bible Bus continues our wonderful journey through the Psalms. Until then, if you need to reach us, you can call 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit us online at ttb.org. God bless you as you walk with Him today in His Word. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?